Last week, we started some teaching on a message called Near or Far, It's Your Choice. Now, if you missed last week, you can always go to our website, seegod.org, and you can uh, see last week's message, and you can catch up. But we're going to continue with the second part of that message today, Near or Far, it's your choice. So we're in Exodus 20, if you want to turn in your Bibles. We also do have the ability, uh, if you have a smartphone, uh, do you like our little slides, phones in church are for Jesus? That's just a reminder that we give you permission to have your phone for Jesus. For Jesus, not to check your email or your Facebook or anything else. But you, if you do have a smartphone, you can go to your YouVersion app. Most everyone has that on their phone and YouVersion. And you can look under events. You can pull up Cornerstone. And what you'll have there is the scripture and the references and the notes. Now, something I learned about that is if you don't save that when you're done, it's gone, <laughs> okay? If you wanted to go back later in the week and look at it again, you can't unless you saved that. So just a little note there for you. But you can pull up your phone for that or, praise God, you can get out your Bible. <laughs> you can get out your Bible. You can turn to Exodus chapter 20. That's kind of where we're going to start there as we... Uh, take a moment to continue our study today. So last week, what we saw was God issued an invitation to the children of Israel. We've been journeying with them. They're on their way to the promised land. Where are we on our way to? The promised land. It's just a different one. Theirs was a physical land. Ours is an eternal land. So God issued an invitation to them to come up to Mount Sinai to receive the covenant. And so the people consecrated themselves for three days. And on the morning of the third day, Moses brought them all out of the camp to the foot of Mount Sinai. And the presence of the Lord descended on that mountain in such an extreme visual way. It, there was thunder and there was flashes of lightning there was fire and there was smoke and the people were afraid and they were afraid to such a degree that they rejected the encounter altogether they were convinced that God was going to kill them and as I said last week, fear will bring you to absurd conclusions. Why in the world would God, after all the miraculous things he had done for them, the deliverance, the provision, everything he had done to them, why would he bring them out there now to the foot of the mountain to kill them? Again, fear brings you to absurd conclusions. They allowed their fear to cause them to reject the opportunity to hear God's voice for themselves and to witness his majesty. And even though Moses tried to talk to them, he tried to encourage them, and he tried to dissuade their fears, they weren't having it. And Exodus 20, verse 21 is that verse that drew the line in the sand for us. It says, the people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Moses drew near to God's presence. The people stood far off. Now, in this Bible story that we're talking about, they're actually referring to physical distance. But today, it's not about physical distance. It's not about a physical location. It's about a heart location. Is your heart following God far off, or is your heart drawing near? 
In John chapter 4, a woman asked Jesus, where is the correct place? Again, talking about a physical location. Where is the correct place for us to worship? She said, our fathers say we should worship on this mountain, but the Jews say we should worship on this mountain. So which is correct? Well, Jesus told her that there was a time coming when a physical location wouldn't matter. He said the time was coming when true worshipers would worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And that's the day that we live in today, the day that Jesus was references. We worship the Father by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in us so that we're able to worship the Father no matter where we are physically located. It doesn't matter if you're sitting here in this building, if you're sitting at home, if you're at school, if you're at work, it doesn't matter because worship is through believing in Jesus, the truth, and by his Holy Spirit dwelling in us. In Exodus, both Moses and the people's decision, far off or close by, drawing near, their decision bore fruit. Proverbs 14, 14 reminds us of this important truth. It says this, the backslider in heart will be filled with the fruit of his ways. And a good man will be filled with the fruit of his ways. So whatever you choose, you're going to bear fruit. And not choosing is choosing. All of our decisions, good or bad, Wise or foolish, they're going to bear fruit. Moses' decision to draw near to God took him further up that mountain that day into the presence of God for 40 days and 40 nights. He lived with God on this earth in a supernatural atmosphere, and he received the law from God's own hand. Exodus 31, 18 tells us this. It says, and he talking about God, gave to Moses when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. So Moses' fruit of drawing near was a glorious worship encounter with God on that mountain. Forty days, forty nights, he beheld the majesty of God. He beheld his power and his glory. And in that, Moses' faith was strengthened and his trust in God was made stronger. His love for God deepened because of that encounter he experienced with God up on the mountain. Now, the people's decision to stand far off also bore fruit. And this is true whether you're speaking about a relationship with God or whether you're talking about just a, re- a natural relationship with people. Distance is an enemy to intimacy. I'm going to say that again. Distance is an enemy to intimacy. Think about this. In your natural relationships every day, relationship will grow as there is frequent interaction between the people involved in the relationship. The more you see someone, the more you have a conversation with them, the more activities that you share together, the stronger your relationship will become, right? And so a lack of activity within a relationship will widen the gap between people, and the relationship will grow considerably weaker. 
If it is a long time before you have a conversation with that person or you don't see them very often, you don't meet together, it's farther and farther apart when you actually see together, when you're actually together, a relationship, whether it's a relationship with God or whether it's a relationship with your family members, whether it's a relationship with a friend, whether it's a relationship with your church here, it will begin to lose its value to you with the lack of activity. When activity and interaction diminishes, the relationship diminishes. So that's why I say distance is an enemy to intimacy. Before long, you'll find your heart standing in a position far off from the relationship, whether we're talking about another person or we're talking about our father. And walking this life with a heart far off from God will bring you trouble. It brought the children of Israel great sorrow. Look at Exodus 32, verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed in coming down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron, and they said to him, Up, make us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. So let's look at some results today from being in a far-off position with our heart. Number one, Standing far off results in blurred vision. Standing far off results in blurred vision. Have you ever gone to Minute Maid Stadium, maybe for an Astros game, or to Caulfield at Texas A&M, and you've sat in those seats which are so high up that they're commonly referred to as the nosebleed section? Anybody ever gone to those? Those seats are so far away from the playing field that the players look very tiny and they look blurry. Now, the people from their vantage point... When the people saw that Moses was delayed, the people did not discern delay clearly. Their perception was skewed. Their vision was blurry. And as a result, they became impatient. Instead of marveling, instead of having their thoughts maybe in this direction, wow, Moses has been gone 39 days. Could you imagine all the good things God is telling him for us? Can you imagine all the wonderful knowledge about God that he's getting up there? Can you imagine what he's going to have to tell us when he comes back? He's been in God's presence 39 days. Can you imagine how exciting that is? God must be giving Moses some pretty incredible promises. For us, since this is taking so long. When God delays his answer to you, do you default to that attitude? Wow, this is going to be an amazing answer. It's taking God so long, this is just going to be incredible. Or do you grow impatient? And allow your vision of God to become blurred. Hmm. Repeat after me. That's a good question, Pastor. It's a good question, Pastor. Far off hearts will result in blurred vision. And with that blurred and impatient vision, 
The people made a demand of leadership. Make us gods who will go before us, they said. And just like that, they are breaching the covenant with God they had just made. Number two, standing far off results in breaking covenant with God. I forgot to mention that these are on the back of your bulletin, too, on the notes section of your bulletin. Number two, standing far off results in breaking covenant with God. The children of Israel had already agreed to the book of the covenant. Back in Exodus 24, verse 7, let's read it. It says, then he took the book of the covenant, talking about Moses, and he read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. Right there, they agreed to the covenant. And this covenant was made between God and the people before Moses ever went up the mountain. The people had entered into this covenant willingly. And this is what the covenant said, Exodus 20, verse 1 through 5a. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other God's before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that's in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. That was the covenant that they had willingly agreed to. So here they are asking for Aaron, the priest, to make for them another God to worship. This is in direct violation to the covenant. Just as adultery in a marriage is the breaking of a marriage covenant, it's unfaithfulness to your spouse. So worshiping another God is unfaithfulness to God, and it's spiritual adultery. As believers, we made a covenant with our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, that we will worship no others. We quickly will say, too, if I ask you, do you have any idols in your home? No, Pastor, not me. I have no idols in my home. However, we invest countless hours, countless hours of our time. We spend countless dollars of our resources on hobbies, on social media, for recreation, ouch, pick up your feet. Building a career, our self-image, self-preservation, in travel, in sporting events, in movies. So I wonder, do we truly have no idols in our home? Repeat it. Ooh, that's a good question, Pastor. Far off hearts result in broken covenant. Number three, standing far off causes us to forget God's faithfulness. The people said, as for this man Moses, who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. Seriously? Moses brought you up out of the land of Egypt? Moses is the one that did all those miracles for you? This terminology was, number one, sarcastic toward Moses, very dishonoring and disrespectful. They're ungrateful completely to Moses for his leadership. 
And they've quickly forgotten God's supernatural and miraculous deliverance, his provision, and his protection. They tossed aside already what happened at the parting of the Red Sea. They already forgot the water that came out of the rock when they had nothing to drink. And just that morning, they went out and gathered manna from the ground so they could have something to eat. They've already forgotten about that. They forgot that last night, as the sun went down, fire rose, a fire presence of the Holy Spirit rose in front of them. And this morning, when the dawn came up, there was a cloud that was there, God's holy presence. But all of that is totally forgotten because their hearts are so far from God. They're taking for granted His mercies, which are new every morning. And they've forgotten already his great faithfulness. It's not God that brought them out of slavery in the land of Egypt and who daily cares for them like a tender father. No, it's this man Moses. And who knows what's happened to him. So they totally forgot God's faithfulness. And in doing so, they cheapened God's actions. And they credited them to a mere man. Far-off hearts cause us to totally forget God's faithfulness. Number four, standing far off leads to compromise. So they make this request of Aaron. Surely Aaron, now surely Aaron, he's one of the elders. Remember last week we read he had just been up a little further onto the mountain with God. He ate and drank. In God's presence. Remember that? He saw that sapphire pavement underneath the feet of God. He experienced all that. So surely Aaron's going to set them straight and he's going to bring the correction they need. So let's read it. Exodus 32, 2 through 6. So Aaron said to them, take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your son, your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw this, he made an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation, and he said, Tomorrow there's going to be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day, and they offered burnt offerings, and they brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose to play. The correct interpretation there in rose to play is they entered into revelry, sexual immorality. Aaron, Aaron. Aaron, how I wish I could understand your actions. Aaron seriously compromised God's covenant to please the people. He gave in to ungodly pressure and influence, and he led the people into great disobedience. Leadership is not immune Leadership is not immune to the dangers of walking with a heart standing far off that will lead to compromise. Number five, standing far off births sin and corruption. 
the distance that the people allowed to come between their hearts and God bore terrible fruit. They corrupted themselves that day. They gave in to their lustful passions and all their fleshly desires. Their impatience, their unfaithfulness, their disregard of their divine relationship, their desire to worship in their own way instead of worshiping as God instructed them, all of these things brought them into the depths of sin. And this was not God's path for them. This was the path their own stubborn hearts chose for them. Far-off hearts result in sin. So up on the mountain in Exodus 32, in verses 7 and 8, God tells Moses to get down the mountain because the people have turned aside quickly out of the way that I have commanded them. So Moses is up there, and God tells him everything that's going on down in the mountain. Doesn't matter where you are, God sees you. God informs Moses of everything that's happened. With the gold. tells him about the golden calf worship. He tells him about their sacrifices to it. He tells them about their immorality, their revelry. He tells Moses, I'm going to consume these people. And what I'll do, Moses, I'm going to destroy them, and then I'll just make a great nation out of you. I'll keep my promises in that, and I'll make a great nation out of you, but I'm going to consume these people. But Moses, that great mediator, that great leader of the people, I don't know. Moses had some kind of supernatural grace. I might have just stood back and said, go for it, God. I might have. I'm not Moses. Man, everybody reaches that point. Sometimes we're, I have had it with these people. But Moses, he stepped into that position as intercessor. And he began to desperately cry out. And he began to plead for the life of those people. And Moses, in doing this, he shows us an example of how the sincere prayers of a person who's in relationship with God, who's following close to God, who obeys God and knows God's heart, how a person that follows God with a heart that is near, not far, how that person in intercession can influence God's desire to bring salvation instead of judgment. This is why we step into that place of intercession every week over our nation. Because we know that prayer and intercession helps us stand in alignment and agreement with God's highest desire. God's highest desire is repentance. God's highest desire is restoration. God's highest desire is forgiveness. God takes no glory in judgment. God takes no glory in illness. He'd rather heal. He takes no glory glory in divorce, he'd rather restore. He takes no glory in addiction and punishing for that. He'd rather bring healing and restoration. There's no victory. There's no victory in that. God's highest desire would be to bring every person, every person into a relationship with him. That's why we pray. I pray over the members of Congress. I pray over them every week. God, bring an influencer into their life that loves you. Bring someone into their life that can speak your word over them, that can encourage them, that can turn their hearts to you. Speak 
speak a word into their life so that they will change. I don't pray for God to bring destruction upon them. I pray for God to bring repentance to them, to change them. What a glory, what a revival, what a true victory would come if there was a revival in Congress. That would bring true, that would bring true restoration. That's God's heart. He's not willing that any should perish. He wants everyone to come to repentance. And that's when he would receive true glory. And we would see good victory for the kingdom of God. There's no scriptural, there is scriptural evidence. And we don't have time to go into all those scriptures today. But there is scriptural evidence that God will respond. Or he will wait to respond depending on how his people pray. He'll consider the prayers of his people for others as long as there is hope for change. As long as there is hope for change. He is merciful. He is slow to anger. He is gracious. He wants to forgive. And it's very humbling to think that we, as mere humans, can influence God to change his course of action. But he is a loving and merciful father. And he delights in responding to the love and the faith and the prayers of his children. He loves to hear you. He loves to hear you in intercession. He's looking for a man. Remember that scripture? He's looking for a man to stand in the gap. To lift up prayers. So Moses interceded. Exodus 32, 14 says this, And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on the people. He will not destroy the nation. What a scripture of great hope and promise this brings to us today. Not just over our nation, but any situation that you're playing, praying about in your home, in your family. By this scripture, we can be encouraged that we just need to keep praying. <laughs> we just need to keep on believing and keep praying. It's important to understand, though, that God doesn't change his mind the same way people do. He's not thinking one thing one day and something else the next day. He's not unstable like that. He's not wishy-washy like people can be. He may, he's not unsteady at all. He may, however, choose a different course of action to accomplish his purposes in honor of the faith and prayers of his people. He'll, he'll change his course of action. He'll do it differently. So Moses comes down from the mountain. He's interceded. He's come down from the mountain. In verse 32, 26, this is how he responds. So Moses stands in the gate of the camp and he says, Who's on the Lord's side? Come over to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered around him. Moses was calling for a division and a separation in the people. Moses knew that when people were rebelling against God and society is on a slippery slope of decline, a choice has to be made. This is what we faced every day where we are. We have to make a choice. And in that moment, the people had to choose where their hearts would stand. Their hearts going to stand near to God or far off. 
So the Levites joined to Moses and 3,000 men. The scripture says 3,000 men fell by the hand of the Levites that day as they were put to the sword in judgment. And Exodus 32, 35 also says this, the Lord sent a plague on the people because they made the calf, the one that Aaron made. No, there was not destruction of the nation, but there were consequences. There were consequences of the choices that the people made. Though the nation was not destroyed at the hand of God for their actions because of Moses' passionate intercession, they did experience sorrowful consequences. In closing, I want to read Paul's letter, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This was Paul's letter to the Corinthian church. It could very well be his letter to Cornerstone Church. So I just ask you to receive it in that way today. And he said this, my dear fellow believers, you need to understand, I'm reading from the Passion Translation, you need to understand that all of our Jewish ancestors, he's talking about these people that we have been studying about. He said, you need to understand that all of our Jewish ancestors who walked through a wilderness long ago were under the glory cloud. We've talked about that many times. And they passed through the waters of the sea on both sides. Everybody went through the Red Sea baptism. They were all baptized into the cloud of glory, into that fellowship of Moses, and into the sea. They all ate that same heavenly manna and drank water from that same spiritual rock that traveled with them. And that rock was Christ himself. Yet, God was not pleased with most of them, and their dead bodies were scattered around the wilderness. Now, he says in verse 6, all these things serve as types and pictures for us, lessons that teach us not to fall in the same way by callously craving worthless things. And practicing idolatry, as some of them did. For it is written, and then he quotes the scripture that we read in Exodus. The people settled into their unrestrained revelry with feasting and drinking. Then they rose up and became wildly out of control. Neither should we commit sexual immorality, as some of them did, which caused the death of 23,000 on a single day. Nor should we ever provoke the Lord, as some of them did, by putting him to outrageous test and resulted in their death from snake bites day after day. We haven't gotten to those stories yet. And we must not embrace, listen to this, verse 10, we must not embrace their ways by complaining, grumbling with discontent, as many of them did and were killed by the destroyer. Verse 11, all the tests that they endured on their way through the wilderness are a symbolic picture, an example that provides us with a warning so that we can learn through what they experienced. For we live in a time when the purpose of all the ages past is now completing its goal within us. 
saying everything is winding down. He thought that when he wrote this. I'm telling you, everything is winding down. So, beware. His last thought here. So beware if you think it could never happen to you. Lest your pride becomes your downfall. Beware if you think it could never happen to you. God's calling all of us today into a deeper encounter with him. He desires to be a father to us who is intimately involved in every detail of our life. He wants a relationship with us, a relationship that's built upon a heart that will draw near to him. Let's apply our hearts to the wisdom and the instruction. Let's not find it out for ourselves. <laughs> let's not, well, let me see how far I can go. No, let's not do that. That's not a smart and wise decision. Paul said, don't allow ourselves to be caught up in pride to think that would never happen to us. Examine ourselves. Is your heart today drawing near or is your heart standing far off? Repeat this. That's a good question, Pastor. Will you bow your heads with me? Father, we're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for the examples. We're so grateful for the pictures. We're so grateful with, for everything that you give to us, everything, how you pursue us, God, how you pursue us and you, you run after us and you do everything that you can to strengthen a relationship, to call us by your Holy Spirit, to call us unto yourself, Lord. And we thank you for that. If you just keep your eyes bowed for just a moment, I just want to ask today in this place where we are and speaking to you that are watching live stream at home, maybe you've not taken that first step toward Christ. Maybe you've never really acknowledged him as your Savior. That is the first step that you need to take towards him. You need to admit that, boy, I've really messed up, and I need the cross. I need the blood of Jesus to wash away my sins today. I need a relationship with Jesus. Would you just quickly raise your hand? Anyone in the building and you'd say, that's you. I need to take that. Thank you. I see your hand. You may put it down. I need to take that first step. Anyone else? I need to take that first step. Thank you, Jesus. We've all had to take that first step. We all came to that place where we knew that we needed someone other than ourselves, something better than us, something bigger than us. We needed someone. We're going to all pray together today. If you raised your hand this morning, I want you to pray. It's not about location. We already said that. You can receive Jesus right there in your seat where you are. It's a heart location. Could you play something for us, Dr. Paul? Just something softly. Silence makes people nervous. So 
display something for us. I'd like for us just to all pray together. If you'll just all repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you because you took that first step for me. I thank you because you closed the gap when I was standing far off you came to earth and you took the steps toward me at the cross now Jesus I admit that I need you I need you to forgive me I need you to wash me I need you to cleanse me. I want to be in the family of God. I want to be one of the children of God. I receive your forgiveness, and I thank you that as far as the east is from the west, my sins are now separated from me. Just like that, in an act of grace, You've forgiven me, and I thank you. You send your Holy Spirit to help me walk from this place, and with every step, I'm coming nearer and nearer and nearer. In Jesus' name, amen. How many in here would say, you know what, I've been examining myself in light of all this, and I think I need to take a few steps nearer in my heart to God. Anybody be honest enough to say, I think I need a few steps nearer to God? Yep, I see your hand. I have mine up there too. Would you stand with me this morning? I thank you, Father, for your great mercy. Would you just continue to just lift your hands to him this morning? In the word of God, it says that simply lifting your hands is just an act of submission. It's just an act of surrender to him. When you lift your hands to him, you're just like throwing up your hands. And I'm all yours, God. See me? I'm a big mess. (laughs) I'm a big mess. And I give my big mess to you, God. It's just in your own way. Would you just cry out to him this morning and just ask him to help you? Ask him to bring you closer. Can we just all pray? Father in heaven, oh, we thank you for your great mercy. We thank you for your great love. We thank you, Father, that you forgive us over and over and over and over. We thank you, God, that you're always pursuing us. You're always running after us. You're always, you have your spirit right with us always. Thank you for your faithfulness in telling us. We know that you're faithful to tell us if we take a step backwards. Your spirit speaks to us, God. Help us to heed that warning. Help us to listen. And if we've taken a step backward, help us this morning to take two steps forward, Lord. Forgive us for our backward walking As we move forward to you, Lord, we want to be near to you, God. We want to be nearer and nearer and nearer. Lord, we live in a crazy world, and we need to walk nearer to you because we need to be able to discern truth, and truth comes from you, Jesus. We need to be able to discern wisdom and understanding, and that all comes from you. So draw us, Holy Spirit. Draw us individually. Draw us as families. 
Draw us as the family of God. Draw us as Cornerstone. Draw us as Brenham, our Washington County community. Draw us all closer to you, Father. Forgive us of our wayward steps, of our wayward walking. And draw us close into your heart today. Draw us close to your heart. Draw us close to your heart, Lord. God, forgive us of our murmuring and our complaining and our discontent with this season. Forgive us because things don't look the way they used to. Forgive us, Lord, because things aren't happening at the fast enough pace as we believe they should. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us. God, we want to grow during this season. We want to grow. We want to become more and more mature in the body of Christ. We do not want to be whiners and complainers. We want to be strong. We want to be strong and faithful because we know that you have work for us to do in this season. You have work for us to do in the remaining months of 2020. You've got assignments for us. And God, if we're so busy complaining and murmuring in our discontent, we're not hearing your assignment. We're not hearing your purposes. So God, forgive us and help us to wholly turn our hearts towards you, Lord, to see what it is. Yes, it looks different. Yes, it's a new path, but it's your path, God, and we embrace it. We embrace it. Fill us with that courage as we sang, Lord, for braveness. You make us brave, Lord. You make us brave. You empower us by your spirit, and you bring us into a courageous place to stand, God. And I thank you, God. Bring courage into our kids, Lord, in the schools. Be, bring courage into our students. Bring courage into our college students, Lord. Bring courage into our moms and dads as they're teaching at home and leading their family, God, where they've separated themselves from so many activities. Bring courage in this new place, Lord. You're our priority, God. You're our priority. And if our priorities have gotten off, Lord, if we've set up idols in our home, not even intentionally, God, bring us back, Lord. Bring us to the place where you are our only priority. You, God, correct us. I give you permission to correct me. I give you permission to correct everybody at Cornerstone. All of my sheep, God, I give you permission to correct and to speak to their hearts, Lord. And start with me. I'm open to your correction. I don't want to be found wandering in the last days of time. I do not want to be found wandering. And there's so much to do to gather in the harvest. There's so much to do for the coming revival. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being so patient with us. Thank you, Father, for loving us so much. Thank you for your word. Lord, I bless these people with your peace today. I bless them with strength. I bless them with divine health. Divine health, God. You said you would bless their bread and their water. I declare that over them, that you would take all sickness away from them, Lord. I bless them, God. I bless them. I bless them with your peace, your joy, your prosperity, your goodness, and your mercy. And most of all, courage, God. Courage to walk forward in a new day. 
in a new day. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you. Love you guys. Go and do wonderful things. Be the kingdom.